What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of KCL's Keto Corner Podcast. On today's episode, I speak with Meg, also known on Instagram as Bacon and Megs. Um, she has lost over 190 pounds, I believe. 192 was her total. Um, she has been on her weight loss journey for seven years, guys. Seven years. Um, we, I'm going to be totally honest. This is probably my absolute most favorite podcast episode I have recorded thus far. Um, not to discredit any of the others, but Meg and I really connected, and we have for a while now on social media, but the conversation you guys are about to listen to is just so deep and eye-opening and so much more than just keto and weight loss talk. Um, I don't even know that we mention much about keto in this episode. We talk about her, uh, you know, journey from from, you know, uh, type 2 diabetes to going keto and, and all of that. We touch on that, but we dive into body dysmorphia. We dive into binge eating. We dive into habits and, and learning how to deal with your emotions and um, emotional eating and all of the things. I'm still literally blown away by this episode, and, uh, and I... I find it so valuable. So, um, as you listen today, uh, I hope that it touches you and challenges you and changes you just as it did me. Um, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's dive in. What's up, guys? This podcast episode is sponsored by Real Good Foods. Um, they have delicious products such as cauliflower pizza crust, chicken pizza crust, enchiladas, chicken poppers, and my very, very favorite, the breakfast sandwiches. These items are low-carb, high-fat, um, and have a good amount of protein as well. They are super convenient, um, very easy to make, and just all around a great product. Um, if you are looking for convenience, these are for you. Our family loves them. We stay stocked up on them. My son is a huge lover of the cauliflower crust cheese pizza. Um, but if you want to find more about the Real Good Foods products, you can check your local grocery store. If you do not know where Real Good Food products lo are located, you can use the store finder on their website. The link is in the show notes. Um, you can also skip the grocery store um, and order directly offline if you'd like to with that link in the show notes as well. Um, and if you'd like, you can support me uh, and use code KCL15 to receive 15% off of your online order. So um, I hope you guys are, you know, going to try the real good foods at some point. They are definitely worth every penny. 
Hey, Meg, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. Um, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to hop on this podcast. Um, I've been super excited to talk to you. Um, I feel like we both have a lot in common when it comes to certain things, and I feel like this is going to be a great conversation. So if you don't mind um, starting out by sharing just a little bit about you and who you are and, I guess, your keto journey. Uh, sure, and I just want to say before we get started, it's such an honor to uh, to talk to you about all this stuff. So um, I, I feel exactly the same. I've been really looking forward to it. Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. So um, I'm Meg, and uh, I started my weight loss journey about just over seven years ago, um, January of 2012. And um, at the time, I was nearly 320 pounds. Um, I was only, I'm only uh, five foot four on a good day. So, um, I was, I was, uh, pretty morbidly obese there for a while. Um, I grew up kind of, you know, I was, I was a heavier kid. Um, I grew up at a time when that was a little bit less common than it is now. Um, and, uh, so I grew up kind of always identifying or being identified as, as, you know, the, the overweight kid in class. So that was always a little difficult. Um, I felt very limited physically with what I could do as far as, you know, keeping up with the other kids. And, um, so I, I definitely put a lot of my focus on school because, you know, academics were, they came a little bit easier to me than, um, any of the athletic stuff. So I was known kind of as a, a nerdy, overweight kid, um, and uh, that kind of continued on through junior high, through middle school, um, through college. I uh, I maintained and and probably gained even more weight once I actually I think the the real downhill slide for me started probably when I got my first job. Mm -hmm. in high school, and I suddenly had my own money to spend and um, worked in a mall. So the fast food and the in the um, food court was easily accessible. And there was a discount for mall employees. So um, that kind of started up then and then through, you know, through college and through graduate school. And uh, yeah, so when 2012 came around, I kind of just had this moment. I had been looking at um, Reddit quite a bit for other things and kind of stumbled upon um, the weight loss transformation subreddits and actually saw, you know, I, I guess I grew up kind of seeing on, on a lot of the talk shows and that kind of stuff that there were a lot of people who were as heavy as I was who could lose weight. Um, but then, you know, six months later or a year later, they would come back and they would have regained it all. And I sort of had this mindset of why bother? Like if I was just going to regain it all like everybody else seemed to, then it wasn't really worth me putting in the effort to lose it in the first place. Um, right. But then, you know, on Reddit, I was seeing all these stories of people returning after a year or two years after hitting their goal weights, and um, they were maintaining, they were keeping it off, and they were 
reflecting this new life that they had found for themselves where, you know, it was uh, their entire relationship with food had changed and their relationships with their friends and their loved ones had, had changed drastically because of the, um, you know, just feeling better mentally and physically. And I saw that and saw, you know, it's always easier to believe that you're capable of something when you see that someone else who looked like you was able to do it too. I agree. And, um, yeah, so I just, it it was actually January 2nd, 2012, and I'm not a new year's resolution person. Mm -hmm. It just felt like, you know, that was the day that I was ready. And, and my big mantra when I started was the time will pass anyway. If I lose the weight, I'll lose the weight. And if I don't lose the weight, the time will have passed and that's, I'll, I'll be exactly where I, where I am today if I don't do something. So, yeah, I um, love that. I love that saying. That's one of the, the things that, um, you know, I repeat to clients is the time is going to pass anyways. And obviously the time has passed, you know, with, with us gaining and being unhealthy and making poor choices and not really caring about our body. And, you know, do you really want to let more time pass, you know, with, with making those choices? And so regardless, um, that it, it will pass anyway. So that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And I definitely felt at that point in time, I was, uh, 25, I believe, um, and I just was kind of thinking of my future. Um, you know, I knew that I wanted to have children in the future. I knew that I wanted to live a long life. I knew that I had these ideas in my head of what I wanted life to look like for me. And um, I had a feeling with the, the type 2 diabetes symptoms that I was struggling with and everything, uncontrolled, unmedicated, um, that I, I may not make it until 40. So mm-hmm. my, my thinking was, even if I were to be able to have children, I wouldn't even have the opportunity to see them grow up if I kept on, on my path. So I could get parts of what I wanted, but I knew I wouldn't get all of what I wanted if I continued on the path that I was on. Yes, so true. So so you dealt, you were dealing with symptoms of type 2. You weren't fully diagnosed I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic about seven years before that. Okay. And then my symptoms continued to get worse and worse over time. And I mean, I had all of the hallmarks of Mm -hmm. full-blown. I had to take naps um, before meals, after meals. I had skin darkening. I had, it it was, I was in really, really rough shape. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as the diabetes goes and, and, um, I, I'm assuming insulin resistance was also a part of that as well. Um, were you like gung ho on keto right away or was there other ways that you lost the weight starting out? Well, um, I just want to mention too, really quickly, the reason why I wasn't diagnosed with type two was because I mm-hmm. hadn't been to the doctor in about seven years. Oh, okay. so that's a big, that's a big part of it. I think um, yeah. I have no idea what my starting A1C was at all, but I know when I was 17, it was quite high. I think it was, it was above the pre-diabetes threshold. So, gotcha. um, but yeah, yeah, the, the first, um, 
the first 80 pounds that I lost, actually, it was just from tracking my food. Um, mm-hmm. I went from eating probably, and I've played that little game that some of us do where we log what we would have eaten in a typical day um, mm-hmm. back before we started. And I was probably over four, 5,000 calories and mostly fast food. Mm-hmm. Um, so just by uh, tracking what I ate, I was able to lose 80 pounds in about seven months, I think. Wow. Um, it falls off really quickly at the beginning because you have a lot of weight to lose. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so I had heard about keto, but um, I was on kind of a limited budget. And not that keto is expensive at all, but I just didn't... Um, I didn't want to commit to it because I I wasn't sure what the expense would be. And also I was coming off of um, quite a while of being a vegetarian. So um, yeah, eating a lot of um, dietary fat was a little bit, uh, I wasn't really even sure how to do it because I hadn't eaten animal products um, aside from dairy in a really long time. So um, yeah, I lost I lost 80 pounds, um, just counting calories. And then, um, keto started becoming more and more popular on Reddit. And, uh, I glanced at my food logs, realized I was already kind of eating low carb anyway, because I had a calorie budget and you don't want to waste it on cereal and bread and stuff. And, uh, just jumped into keto and I've been keto for, um, over six years now. That is awesome. I love the fact that um, that I can speak with people who have been doing it longer than a year or two. And granted, it, I'm going on three years uh, in January, but like to have someone that people can hear from who have been doing this longer than just the quote unquote fad of it, you know, the popularity has increased the past couple of uh, years. It it's comforting to a lot of people who, you know, can go back and look at you um, after hearing your story and basically saying like, wow, she sustained this diet. She hasn't died yet of high fat intake. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that was, um, that was one of the big reasons. I'm not a big social media person. I think you and I have talked about that. Um, Mm -hmm. But the main reason for me joining Instagram in the first place was sort of to be, um, you know, to show people that if they looked like me at my start, um, it was possible to lose the weight for one. And also that this, this lifestyle is, is fine. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, And for a lot of people, you know, I have a sister who is a vegan leaning vegetarian and she's perfectly happy with that. She's at a healthy weight. She's, she loves the food that she eats on and on. Um, For me, that wouldn't be sustainable, but you just kind of have to pick. And I would argue that keto is probably the healthy, healthiest way to go for most people, Mm -hmm. but you also still, the thing that works is the thing that you'll stick to. Mm -hmm. So if you find something that you love, that doesn't feel like a sacrifice and you're eating all the foods that you love to eat and your health is looking great, then that is the lifestyle for you. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, It's so funny to me when people ask, you know, how do you cut out, um, you know, all the things that you used to love. And and my thing is, is I love the food that I eat now. I love, you know, 
um, grass-fed meats and I love dairy and I love, you know, avocado, all of the things that I eat now I love, but they're better for my body. I'm feeding my body positively instead of the things that I used to love, which was fast food and donuts and candy and, you know, so I'm still feeding my body the things that I love, but I don't feel restricted because it's, you know, it's good for me. I'm choosing to do the the healthy thing for me instead of, you know, what got me to 232 pounds. So I think that, I think that's important uh, for people to understand as well. You have to love the food that loves you back. Exactly. You have to. Yep. Yep. Um, So speaking of, you know, feeding our body properly and, um, you know, I know that before we hopped on here, we had kind of mentioned you struggled with binge eating and um, possibly emotional eating as well. So can you share your experience with all of that? Sure. Um, I'm one of those people who definitely developed a habit of binge eating pretty early on. Um, I always say that I was probably about seven or eight, but I think it even goes further back than that. Um, My household was a clean plate club household. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned from a very early age to sort of disregard my own hunger cues and just finish all the food that was in front of me. Um, And then I think that there's a part of that that sort of wires your brain to find that feeling of being too full, pleasurable, mm-hmm. and um, even even preferable to just being like slightly full or just satisfied. Um, and then, you know, in dealing with some uh, trauma in childhood and those kinds of things, I think it was easy for me to make the connection between, you know, eating a lot of food and that makes me feel better so that's going to be the, the tool that I use to help myself feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that really maintained. I, I truly believe that no one becomes obese without having a problematic relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in order to become obese, you, you have to overeat. Absolutely. And the reason why you overeat doesn't necessarily have to be emotional. It could be any number of reasons, but, um, overeating is definitely a signal that there's a problematic relationship with food there. Um, so I think, you know, at times I would just overeat because I enjoyed that feeling and other times it would be because I was stressed or trying to cover something else up. But I think it was just overall, I, I just learned very early that those signals were not to be listened to. Mm hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Binge eating, I feel like, is one of those, one of the eating disorders that people don't really want to open up about or don't really want to bring attention to. Whereas, like, I mean, I guess eating disorders as a whole is not something comfortable to talk about. But, I mean, if we still, you know, if we don't want to share about it, then no one's ever going to heal from it. So that's why I'm super passionate about talking about it, getting it out there, making sure people know that they're not alone. And it's, it's not anything to be ashamed of though. It's one of the most, like you feel so ashamed, like either after you're doing, you've done it or you've, you know, you're doing it. So, um, 
I feel like most people deal with binge eating, but they almost don't really realize that it has a name or that it is an actual thing. I agree with that. And I definitely agree with the the fact that, um, and this is why I speak about it so much, because I, I feel like with anything that we feel ashamed about, the people who feel comfortable talking about it almost have a responsibility to do so, mm-hmm. um, to, to help bring it out into the light so it doesn't have to be such a dark secret for others. Um, not, I mean, if, if people aren't ready to talk about it, then that's fine too. But since I did feel ready to talk about my own issues with it, I, I feel a responsibility to do so as often as possible. Um, and I get messages about that all the time about like, oh, I didn't even know that that was mm-hmm. something that I was engaging in, or I had no idea that it had a name. I just knew that I ate until I felt sick. And um, so like, I'm really big on, on talking about feelings and all that stuff. And one of the big things that I've learned over the past couple of years is in order to really deal with your feelings, I, I use the phrase name to tame. You really have to give it whatever it is that you're dealing with a name in order to feel like you can attack it or, mm-hmm. or address it. Yes. And so by putting it out there that, yes, this is something that people struggle with and it has a name and um, there are tools that you can use to help, um, I think is huge. And I think that, and I'll say this, that's one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to your account and drawn to you is because of how much you do share and how, um, how open you are. So like that, I'm sure I can be one of the many that says thank you for being open like that, because it, it really does help more people than, than even will send you a message or, you know, than, than, you know, so, um, so I appreciate your openness, but I do feel like some people, though they may not know binge eating is a actual eating disorder, they only associate binging with purging. So like they don't consider it an eating disorder if they don't have a way that they purge and, that's one of the things that I try to bring to light as well is purging isn't always making yourself throw up after you've overeaten. I used to purge by over-exercising or I would purge by severely restricting and saying that I was going to go on these long, extreme fasts. And so I think that it's important for us also to share that, you know, there is, though you may not have the the physical purge, like there are acts of purging that come along with binge eating. Right. And I'm, I really feel too, that like, even if there are a lot of people out there who would say, well, I don't have this issue because I don't engage in the behavior more than once a week or more than twice a week. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they say a lot of those things and that's fine if it helps them um, sort of like not label themselves because I, I think a lot of the labels are kind of, for me, the biggest thing is if you're doing something or you have something going on in your life that is making you sad or uncomfortable, then it's worth addressing because no one should have to live like that. You know, um, that's, that's really the biggest thing. It's like, you may not be depressed compared to, 
the most depressed person that you know. But if you are depressed in a way that makes you uncomfortable and affects your life, then that's something that's worth work. You know, Mm -hmm. that's something that you, you should seek help for or because like we all deserve to feel our best. And that's kind of like part of the whole eating well too. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody deserves that life that they can look at and say, I did the best that I could today and I feel the best that I can today. And I think a lot of these things that we do to ourselves are unnecessary self-punishment because we don't feel like we're worthwhile or worth the time. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's the biggest thing. It's like, even if you don't purge, even if you don't um, tell yourself you're going to restrict, even if you um, just ate too much at a party and then you felt sick afterwards, if you feel uncomfortable about that the next day, then do some thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, and work out those feelings out because you, you deserve a, a comfortable and healthy relationship with food. And, you know, the same could be said about, you know, if you have an interaction with your spouse or your partner that makes you feel uncomfortable, work that out. Um, don't, don't just let it sit because you feel like your feelings aren't important because they are. Yes, so true. It's, I mean, I feel like if you don't, address it or if you don't confront your feelings about the issue or or anything then you're just sweeping it under the rug and a lot of times I mean I feel like I did that for so long which is how I became overweight I swept my emotions and feelings and everything and I didn't want to deal with it under the rug and I used food as a coping mechanism whereas I just I didn't really sit down and ask myself like, okay, you have a problem. You need to figure it out. I didn't want to admit that I had a problem. I didn't want to admit that, you know, I was the way that I was eating or what I was feeling was uncomfortable. And so I just sought comfort from the things that I was eating. It was, it was a vicious cycle. I feel like and admittance and recognition is, I feel like the first steps in, in healing in any form. I agree. And I think a really, really important thing about binge eating and, and eating disorders in general is, well, the first thing is it seems so simple to other people that you can start to really beat yourself up. Like eating is the simplest thing in the world. Why can't I get it together and do the thing that everybody does every day and, they're healthy and they're happy with the way that they eat. Um, So that's a big thing. There's a lot of like judgment there, I think, to Mm -hmm. ourselves that like, you know, babies eat and I can't even eat the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also, I dealt with a lot of feelings of of feeling like some sort of um, caged animal when I would binge eat. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, like some sort of animal outside rifling through the garbage, you know, just mm-hmm. scavenging for any food. And, you know, then in in the aftermath of a binge, that's kind of the way that you talk to yourself. Like you you address yourself, you come to yourself as that um, uncontrollable sort of um, impulsive 
person mm-hmm. or, or just like wild animal. And I, I think that the way that we speak to ourselves has a really big impact on how we treat ourselves. So if you're constantly talking to yourself about your issues, as if you are, you know, this messy, chaotic, awful, um, you know, subhuman type of person, then that's how you're going to treat yourself. And Mm -hmm. you're going to really take that in. So I feel like by just making it seem like more of a human problem, like it is, it's like, okay, there's nothing wrong or broken with me. It's just that this is an issue that a lot of people have and it's, it's okay. It's not okay that it hurts and is painful and uncomfortable, but it's okay that it happened in the first place because it happens to a lot of people. Yes. It's so true. Um, Talking about, I think we should transition to the whole self-talk thing. And that's one thing I also love about you is that you are, you're very big on the, the positive self-talk as well as I am. So uh, I think that kind of correlates with the, the body image and the body dysmorphia, the similarities that uh, you and I have. So um, how long have you struggled with like a body dysmorphic, um, issue? I would say, um, it's, it's interesting when I was morbidly obese, I almost feel like I had body dysmorphia in the other direction where Mm -hmm. I never really realized how I looked because I kind of avoided mirrors and things. Um, I never realized how obese I was until I saw photos of myself Um, so I would try to avoid looking at photos of myself. Um, I guess I just, I thought I was smaller than I was the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because now I always feel like I'm going to look bigger in the mirror or bigger in pictures than I Mm -hmm. do. And so it's, it's really interesting how that totally flipped around. But yeah, I mean, there are... I, I think that the thing about body image that we're sort of sold on at a very early age is that there are people out there in the world that have perfect bodies and they know it mm-hmm. and they feel totally comfortable in their own skin. And um, these magical people, they exist and we should all hope to be them. And what I'm realizing over the course of this journey and this process is that um, you could ask the most, who you think is the most beautiful person on the planet, how they feel about their bodies. And they could probably tell you 15 things that they don't like. Absolutely. And, (laughs) and, and I feel like one population and like men get a lot of attention in every aspect of life. So I don't want to give them more attention than they're due, but um, (laughs) men struggle with, with body image as well. And I think that that's so important and we just need to remember that what we see on TV and in magazines is not real. Mm-hmm. And that even the people that, I mean, imagine being someone in one of those magazines and then finding out that the the photographer or the, the editor had to airbrush you to make you look better. Right. Um, that's really demeaning too. So it's like, I, I think that we just need to all be aware that, that everybody, it's another human problem. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I think that uh, one of the things that I talk about a lot is that uh, going from someone who disliked my body so much, obese, as an obese person, um, positive self-talk doesn't always feel genuine to me. It almost feels like I'm lying to myself. Yes. So I always recommend um, just being neutral about how your body looks or even like parts of your personality that you don't like. You know, if you told a bad joke at a party, just be neutral about it. Like you don't have to beat yourself up, but you also don't have to be like, oh, I'm the funniest person in the world. Mm -hmm. You could just say like, I told a crappy joke and yeah. no one, no one laughed. And next time at a party, I'll have a better joke. And then maybe people will laugh. And if they don't, you know what? I lived, you know, yeah. I, yeah, it didn't kill me. So, um, I, I think that that is just like the most important thing in the world, because like, we all have anxiety, we all have fear, we all have, um, nervousness or in social situations, we all feel like we said something stupid. And it's just important to remember that, like, the worst thing that could happen is that you could be a little bit embarrassed and nobody's going to remember as well as you do anyway. Mm -hmm. We are all so critical of ourselves. It is, it is so true when, when you say, like, you, you are your own worst critic. And it is easy for us to, and that's one thing that I try to be very transparent about on on social media is you know you're scrolling your Instagram feed and you're seeing these perfect bodies or these you know whatever but the thing is is like you you can't you don't know that person you don't know like you don't know their insecurities because the thing is is the most smallest muscular whatever whatever body type you're more attracted to what whatever they are they still have insecurities just like we do they just have a better way of covering them up or not showing them or being verbally open about them and so I think that it's important for people like us to share about our insecurities and and you know it's not it's never easy for me to point out that I have loose skin or that I have tons of stretch marks or that, you know, I, I'm, you know, more muscular than I ever thought that I would be or that I've gained a little body fat because I've got hormonal issues. It's, it's never easy for me to share those things, but like it, it empowers me to share them because other people, there are people out there that are uncomfortable and um, feel like, because they see everyone's highlight reel that they don't have issues when in reality, like I'm, I'm just as screwed up as the next person. Like we all are. <laughs> right. We're all just a mess. I mean, mm -hmm. really when it comes down to it. And another thing too, to remember is that person who has like the perfect uh, figure competition body that you're seeking. If that is the, the body type that you are seeking they may have arrived at that body in a way that felt mentally unhealthy for them. Absolutely. And so if you're seeking, I'm not saying that all people who do competitions, like I'm not generalizing at all because I definitely, you know, there are people out there who are very comfortable with those cycles and, and go through those cycles for their own reasons. And that's great. Um, but it's just important to remember that like, 
um, just because someone looks the way that that you may seek to look on the outside, they may have they may have arrived there, um, and and allowed certain things that are very uncomfortable for them to continue in order to achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel healthy and settled in, for example, your relationship with food, then keep that going and then also try to pivot yourself in a way that helps you achieve your goals that you want to achieve, but making sure that all the other stuff is lining up too, because you never want to, it's like, well, I really want to drive a Mercedes, but I don't really have much money in my bank account. So I'll just spend all the money that I have to get the car that I want, but then I won't be able to buy groceries. Like there's always a trade yes. and you just have to be aware that you need to be you, only you, like whoever's out there listening needs to be comfortable with the sacrifices that you're making to achieve a certain goal. Um, because it doesn't matter what the next person would feel comfortable with because they don't live your life. They're not on your path. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfect advice. It is, it is crazy to me. You're, you're speaking to me directly because of what I've just been through with trying to deal, you know, with wanting to, to have that goal to step on on stage and because I do love bodybuilding and I do love watching my body transform but the state the mental state that I was in during what I was doing was not at all worth the end result I I can't stress enough to people that the obviously dieting and um and doing dieting to such extremes as doing like a competition, it takes a severe amount of discipline, like beyond amount. And my regular dieting to lose over a hundred pounds was never that crazy, was never that, um, you know, intense. And though I went through bouts of severe restrictive eating, it was just never, I never felt that much pressure in my life. And then to evaluate why I wanted to do that. Did I want to do that because I, I wanted it? Because in my heart, like, that is that is what I wanted to achieve? Or is it the pressure of feeling like I have to look a certain way because of the community that I'm trying to be a part of or because of the the leadership role I feel like I've I'm earning or gaining? You know what I mean? Like having that pressure put on you to look a certain way, I feel like has been something I've struggled with my entire life. But up until now, you know, waking up and realizing that it's not up to anyone else for them to tell me how I should look or, or I shouldn't be making other people happy. It should be all about my, my happiness mentally and then also w- with myself physically. Right. And that is something that I love that you address too, because um, there's there's such a stigma against sort of having aesthetic goals um, in in our community sometimes, and um, you know, like uh, the fear that it will be buying into diet culture and all of that stuff. 
And I think it's just so important that you address the fact that like, it's okay to, to work toward looking a certain way. Um, as long as it feels comfortable for you, Mm -hmm. you know, like you don't want to sacrifice everything in life to, to look a certain way if that's not the most important thing for you. But for some people that's their career Mm -hmm. or that's really a goal that they have. And I feel like appreciating your body for what it looks like is not wrong. Um, I think it's okay to have a little bit of vanity, just like how, you know, um, you wouldn't criticize someone for doing continuing ed classes to develop an academic pursuit. You wouldn't criticize someone for going out and buying a new wardrobe if they could afford it to make themselves look better at work. So it's sort of like, you know, if you're, if your goal is a certain type of, of body and you're, you're, um, showing up for yourself by, by achieving it in ways that feel sustainable and healthy for you, then I don't really think that there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Yeah. You just, you can't sacrifice your mental health or you can't have the, the wrong drivers behind your goal. As long as it's something that you want and that you desire to achieve, I mean, then and you can do it healthily and in a good mental space, then, you know, there's not, there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to improve yourself. That's one thing that I find that I am uncomfortable with is staying in a maintenance mode. Um, you know, I enjoy building muscle and watching my body change and I love, you know, gaining strength and, and then, you know, um, losing a little bit of body fat to just see how much muscle I've, I've gained. But, um, I think it's important for everyone to have a goal of some sort, not, not weight loss all the time or not, you know, not something that's, you know, going to put your health at risk, obviously all the time, but I feel like it is important for people to continuously have new goals just because otherwise you're never, you're not growing. And and I think growth is so important, you know, throughout all the different aspects of your journey, you know, throughout the weight loss, throughout, um, you know, learning a better relationship with food, all of the things. If, if we're not setting goals continuously, then we're not growing. Right. And I've, I've addressed this a little bit recently in myself. Um, just the idea that, like, I, I always just thought you get to your goal weight, and that's kind of the end. Um, and uh, I've, I've had to come to terms over the past couple of years, I, I reached my goal weight just over two years ago. And just realizing that um, maintenance isn't a, a static activity. Um, it's like laundry, it's like doing dishes, it's like meal prep, you have to do it constantly it's it's something that you do it's not something that you sit in mm-hmm. you know and um having that realization was big for me because I just assumed you know I would get to my goal weight and I would put everything on autopilot and I would just coast yeah and but then I I also realized like through fitness and running and weightlifting that that static feeling is no longer comfortable for me like it was for so long Mm -hmm. So it kind of worked out that way where it's like, well, I don't want to be static anyway. So let's, 
let's change our lifting program. Let's run a couple more miles. Let's push this a little bit and see where it can go. And I think it's also one of those things where once you see that you can make those changes in your life, not that it becomes addicting, but you kind of get why people would. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like all of a sudden it clicks where you're like, well, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, challenging yourself constantly. um, You know, it's funny. I have people ask me like, oh, you still get up at four, four o'clock in the morning and go to the gym? Like, I figured you you would stop that like once you hit your goal weight. Actually, no, like it becomes a part of who you are, but it becomes a, a new it, it's your routine. Just like you said, it's doing the laundry or washing the dishes. It's, you know, it's something that you have to constantly work at. And I feel like that is one of the things that people either they they never feel like they'll achieve their goal weight and then when they do they feel like they can become complacent or or they can go back to eating the way that they used to or um you know for me intuitive eating is a tool that I can use but I am someone who likes numbers and I like to track my food even when I'm I'm not being as strict with you know trying to hit certain macros but I find that people really are just lost when they do hit their goal weight and they're kind of like, well, what, what do I do now? And so I think that's what draws people to social media and accounts like ours where they see we've lost the weight. They see that we've hit the goal and they're trying to figure out like, well, what are you doing now? Like, what is your goal? Is it, is it really possible to live your life after the weight loss and not gain it back? Right. And I think that that's, that really is the biggest thing is that a lot of people want to maintain the same life that they had before, but just be a thinner version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the biggest piece of advice I can give is that you have to let this process change you. Yes. Because if you don't, you're going to be one of those people, you know, the statistics show most people do gain the weight back. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just don't know how to do the inner work to address the things that got them to where they were in the first place. Absolutely. like, And that... it's, it's such a shame because that's so much work that they've done on the outside. Yes. If they could just focus that inward, they could have both and feel more successful. Yes. That is, and that is one thing that like, I'm so passionate about getting people to understand before they even start the journey. Like, you know, I, I coach people and I do that because I love it. And because the, my goal is to get people to understand that the inner work is the hardest part. Like I can help you lose 20 pounds, you know, in a great you know, quick amount of time, but I can't help you heal mentally in four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks if you're not not focusing on the scale moving or just the weight loss. It's so much more than weight loss. I mean, and I say that, I want to ask you, like, what is the biggest thing that you learned about yourself over this entire weight loss journey? I mean, like, the, the one thing that sticks out the most, what would you say you learned? Um, 
this question, I have to be honest, <laughs> makes me feel a little bit emotional, but oh, the I'm biggest sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a great question. The biggest thing that I learned about myself is that I was not the person that other people had in mind and I wasn't the person that I had in mind. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't the story that I told myself and that others told me about me this whole time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think growing up obese, you kind of take in, you're lazy, you're undisciplined, you're slovenly, you're messy, you're gross, you're, you know, all of these awful things that, that we sort of take in after being called names for so long or just um, treated in, in certain ways as like being less than because we are, I mean, it's, it's tough. Being obese as a young person, your personality is forged by that. Um, yes. It is the most obvious thing about someone when you meet them is their physical size most of the time. You see that from further away than you would see braces or glasses. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I feel like um, it just becomes a part of who you are and all of the character traits that you hear about obese people become character traits that you're sort of like, well, people will assume that I am this anyway, so I may as well be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the assumption. So that's, yeah, so that's, I would say that that's the biggest thing that I've learned is that I am not the story that was told to me. Yeah, which is so empowering. I feel like not only for you, but for other people to to hear you say that, the people listening to this and and who are on their own journeys, you know, themselves. And um, I, I remember a time when, when I had lost, it was actually right before I started keto, I, um, had already lost 60 pounds, but I was, you know, I was very restrictive. I was, um, it was, I did it very unhealthily. And there was a moment when someone very close to me told me, just be happy in the body you're in. Like you've lost 60 pounds. You've done a great job. Just be content with who you are. And I remember hearing that. And I remember thinking to myself over the next couple of days, and this was in December, it was like right before the whole, you know, um, got a new, new year, new you thing. And I was thinking like, is this, is this really it? Like, I respected this person so much that said this to me at the time. Um, and I believe the words that would come out of their mouth. And, and I was like, should I really believe her? Should I really trust her? Should I, you know, take her advice and, and be happy and content with who I am. And, um, it took me a few days to finally realize, like, it's not about the weight loss. I'm not happy with, with who I am or people's assumptions of what I've become or, you know, so there was a lot of work that I had to do. And so, you know, I wasn't the the person to start on January 1st either. Um, I started on January 15th with keto and it was so empowering for me to, 
to take that step to realize like that person that told me I should just be happy with who I was and that I, um, you know, this is who I had become now. It, it was empowering for me to take back that power and to now look and be like that person that she thought I was, I'm, I don't even recognize her anymore. I, I don't recognize who I was at that time because I went through so much, but also, you know, because I've, I've challenged myself and I've changed myself and I've grown and I can appreciate that. And I love it when I can see it in other people as well. Right. And it's, it's so interesting too, because again, um, if you, if you told that same person, I'm seeking a promotion at work, would they ever say, oh, but you should just be happy where you are. You make enough money and you know, you're, you're good at your job now. Why would you push harder? And it's one of those things that can be, I think a lot of people reflect that back at us when, when our decisions make them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like if this person can achieve this, then why am I not working harder to achieve it too? Yes. Um, It holds up a mirror for others, but yeah, I always try to think of it in that way. Like, what if what if we were going back to college for an additional degree? Would anybody tell us that we should just be happy with where we are? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to, no one will ever tell you don't strive for more, for bigger, for better things in your life. So, like, as a person, as someone who wants to change either the way that they look or the way that they, they feel, the way that they think about themselves or, I mean, you know, we, we can't allow what other people see of us, um, to determine like where we're supposed to end up. And I think that you're totally right when it comes to it, it brings out a mirror and it, it kind of makes people think like, oh, wait, no, I don't want her to do better than me or I don't want her to do more than me. Like, you know, it it will make me st- it will make other people step up their game kind of. And a lot of people when oh, there was this one saying and I wish I could remember it. It's um, uh, about like when when someone isn't ready to receive the information, it it's like a uh, it's like a negative like it's immediately a negative thing to them so like when they're not ready to receive the criticism or um the not necessarily criticism but like you know the revelation that maybe they need to change they're going to automatically defend themselves or become defensive right yeah I think that that is definitely true and um yeah I, I think it's just it really is one of those things that and I I think when people say things like that, too, it's also a little bit demeaning or can be received that way because it makes the assumption that we only did this to be thinner. Mm -hmm. And for me, struggling with all of the health issues that I was, you know, not even able to walk up a flight of stairs or walk a city block. I did not start losing weight because I wanted to look thin. I started losing weight because I knew I would probably die before 40 if I didn't. And so 
to, to say that, like, you should just be happy with where you are. Well, what if I want to live to be 90? Mm -hmm. What if I don't want heart disease? What if I don't want diabetes? Like settling for mostly better isn't enough for me when it comes to my health. I want to be the most healthy that I can be in the body that I have today. I don't want to just be decent. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. 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 So I think the big assumption for, for people, especially for women, is that we only lose weight to look a certain way. And in reality, for for a, a great majority of us, if not all of us, it's because we, we desperately want to feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can you can lose all of the weight, but if you haven't changed internally and changed habits and you know, formed new, new uh, relationships with food or yourself, then you're not gonna be happy even when you hit your goal weight. I mean, I, I hit my lowest weight of 129. And I was not I still was not happy. And it was because I still struggled with some internal body image issues. And I still and which I still do. I mean, I, I will be 100% honest and say, I don't know that I will ever heal from body dysmorphia. Um, or body image issues, but it's something that I work on daily. And, you know, if I, if I don't work on that, if I don't work on other habits, same for anyone else, then the weight loss isn't going to bring you happiness. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the big thing too, is like, it, it, nothing about this ever has to be perfect. And it Mm -hmm. shouldn't be it should be messy and complicated and it should be slow and take time. And like, we just have to all realize that like whatever pace that we are going at is the right pace for us. If we're comfortable with it, right. you know, there, there shouldn't be any sort of pressure about, um, you know, our only competition should be ourselves yesterday. It shouldn't be yes. any other human on this planet. And it doesn't even need to be like, well, I did horribly yesterday, so I have to do better today. It's just like, well, yesterday I could have made a better choice about, you know, maybe I shouldn't have have spent $5 on a coffee even. Like, it doesn't even have to be about weight mm-hmm. loss. Yeah. But like, oh, I, I impulse purchased a bunch of t-shirts from Target, and I should probably return those. Um <laughs> It, it can, you know, that growth can be in any aspect. And I've definitely found that in weight loss, those habits of like neutral self-talk and personal growth and achievement, those have all permeated every aspect of my life because I put them to practice in, in weight loss and, and in my health journey. And because I've seen them work so well there, it's sort of like, well, I'm going to apply this to my budget and Mm -hmm. to the way that I drive and being a more patient person and having a better relationship with my partner and communication. Like it's, it's hard to, once you see such success in one aspect of life with applying these healthier habits, um, it's hard not to apply them to other things because it feels so positive and healthy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if it works in one aspect, then then applying it in others, it it should be just kind of second nature and just kind of seeing if it if it was positive in one way, it could be positive in another. Um, so when you say, and I just want to clarify for people, so obviously we have the people who you know promote and I'm one of them like positive affirmations like positive self-talk but you have this approach for neutral self-talk when you say neutral self-talk like can you dive in a little bit deeper to what that looks like for you um so I'll think of an example um so I actually I I have uh Crohn's disease and um psoriatic arthritis which are two autoimmune diseases that are Mm -hmm. treated um, with the systemic medication uh, prescription and also, um, you know, eating eating well really helps cut down on a lot of the inflammatory processes that mm-hmm. come with those diseases. Um, so, for example, uh, it can it used to be really, really easy for me to kind of get sucked into not really a pity party about it, but um, I I was diagnosed after I lost the weight. So there's a part of me that feels very betrayed by my body. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I finally made all the right choices and did all the right things for you. And now you're choosing to treat me poorly kind of uh, relationship with my body. I struggle with that quite a bit. So I struggle with that, um, you know, the, the physical body dysmorphia, but also the frustration of, um, you know, my, my organs and tissues and systems aren't working the way that they should be in spite of my best efforts. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, on days where I am really, really struggling with the symptoms, um, I sort of just talk myself through it in a way that, that feels very neutral to me. It's not ever, 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 you'll feel better tomorrow. Um, the, the positive affirmation type of stuff doesn't really work for me because there is no guarantee on that. Like there is no guarantee that I will feel better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I also don't allow myself to be sucked into catastrophizing about it either. You know, it'll never be, I'm going to feel this way forever. And I feel so awful right now. I try to, and sometimes honestly, I have to look at myself in the mirror and I have to say it out loud this is happening to you. There's nothing you can do about it. You feel rough right now. What are some things that can help you mentally? Because physically you've done everything that you can. So maybe mentally is like going to sit outside in the sun for 10 minutes or Mm -hmm. reading or listening to a book that I really like, or a podcast that I really like, or watching a TV show. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not really about being overly positive, but you also don't want to put a, a super pessimistic spin on it either, because both of those things are kind of, um, one I think is selling yourself a lie a little bit because mm-hmm. there is no guarantee about it being super sunny and, um, and also just being, I think neutral self-talk when it comes down to it is just realism. It's like yeah. this, this is what things look like for me right now. Um, they may look different tomorrow. They may not, but this is where I am. And um, 
one of the songs that really got me through uh, some really difficult times in my childhood was uh, Let It Be by the Beatles. And I, I kind of remind myself of that all the time where it's like, you just have to let it be what it is. Yeah. And um, like, I guess an example with body image would be, um, I don't really like my arms. They have like this really uh, like um, crumpled up tissue paper look to the loose skin that makes me nervous when I wear tank tops in public. But I just look at it and I'm like, that's your skin. Your skin is holding in all of your bones and tissues and keeps you alive and healthy and functioning. And your arms can lift weights that you probably never would have imagined that they could before. Mm -hmm. So it's not like your arms are beautiful. They're lovely. They're wonderful just the way they are, but they're also not like it's, it's also not, you know, they're hideous. They're terrible. You should cover them up all the time. Right. Right. Which, you know, what is so funny to me is I was, I was, going back through kind of stalking your Instagram before we hopped on. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, this girl has got some awesome arms. Like, look at her biceps. Look at her shoulders. Like, I'm sitting here, like, admiring your your physique and complimenting it. And it's so funny when people, you know, like, I had no idea that you were, inse- like, not insecure, but just uncomfortable with them. And so that is one of those things that goes back to, like what we see online, I would have never known like that you were uncomfortable with them because you do show them. But like, you know, we can appreciate other the way other people look, but we don't know the insecurities or the the image struggles that they have for themselves. It's just, you know, reiterating that fact that some we all struggle with something. Um, but I feel you when it comes to like, you know, not being, I'm not okay. Like I'm not, I don't love the fact that, you know, my stomach looks, it's covered in stretch marks. I'm not okay with it. I'm not like mad about it because had I not, you know, had my son, had I, you know, had I not gone through my pregnancy, I wouldn't have those or, um, same for the loose skin. Had I not gone through the, the hundred pound weight loss, I wouldn't have become who I am today. So it's, it's looking at it in a way that you can be grateful and thankful for the experience, but also like knowing it's okay to not love absolutely everything about your body, but like understanding that there is a neutral like level ground um, and that, you know, you don't have to be one of those people that's like love everything about your body, um, but that it's okay to still feel a little bit of like, you know, indifference towards the things that you're not extremely happy with. Right. And thank you for what you said. I I appreciate that. That means a (laughs) lot. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I do the same thing with other people. And then I just have to remember that, like, at the end of the day, really, I think it's, it's just important for us to remember that our bodies are vehicles. Yes. Like they are the way by which we experience the world but they are not everything. And we, it's really important, especially as women to keep that in in perspective. I think that when we go toward the body positive movement, I, I also don't really think that that's a great direction to go in because that's still putting our bodies at the center of what we are. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it's really important to pull back from that and, and remember that like, yes, we have physical bodies, but they are just a small part of who we are as people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if we care about how our bodies look, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're vain. It just means that we care about a part of our body, like a, a part of our whole. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I I think that like, yeah, focusing on, well, everyone has a beautiful body is still sending the message that our one, our bodies need to be beautiful. And two, that that is still very, very important to us, like as a culture. Mm-hmm. And I think we just have to remember, like I said, our, our bodies are just a small part of who we are. Yes, yes. And it's so hard for us to to change that because I mean you the the ideal body image I feel like it changes year to year so you know the the mannequins in stores change and what they showcase on magazines change and all of this and so it's it's like we're constantly looking for what we should try to achieve or what we should try to look like or um you know all of those things. It is so hard, but I think you, you're right for sure. It's, it's important for us to remember that we, we're much more than just what we look like. Like if you're <laughs> like, what is that saying? If you're, if you have a terrible personality, but like a hot body, then, <laughs> you know, like what good are you? I mean, really, like if you, if you're a mean or, not nice or, you know, like just very, you know, ugly person on the inside and you can't deal with the, you know, inner things, but you have an, uh, uh, you know, appealing outward appearance, then like, you know, what, what does that really showcase? What are we really trying to achieve, you know? Right. And we should really work on uplifting the whole of ourselves. So, I mean, I was a person who came from the flip side of that, where I spent most of my life developing my academic pursuits and doing really well in school. And, you know, because of that, I have an undergraduate degree and a master's degree, and that's wonderful. But I did all of that and allowed myself to be physically unhealthy and could have shortened my life significantly if I had kept on that path. Mm -hmm. So it's like by focusing only on one aspect of ourselves, I think that's really where we sell ourselves short. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if, if you're only focused on how you look, then there it's that sacrifice idea again, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're only or mostly worried about one part of yourself, which, you know, could be your looks or, you know, any number of things. There are some people who, who pursue academics to the point where they have no, no close friendships or relationships. And that's detrimental to them too, because, you know, we need social interaction. We need a balance of things in life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, people get sold this idea that um, at a very early age, they're good at one thing. For me, that was school. And so I just thought, well, I'm really good at school and that's where I'm going to focus all of my effort. But if I had been told, like, you're actually a whole person, like you, you can be, um, 
you can be intelligent and you can be athletic and you can be, it's sort of like that dumb jock idea or that dumb model idea, right? Like if you're Mm -hmm. beautiful, you're, you're, you must be dumb or right. Yeah. And I think that when we're told that it's like, well, we have to just pick one thing to be good at and we'll be really, really good at that at the expense of all other things in life. Yeah. And I, I think that just like as a human, that's that's really a shame because so many of us could be so good at so many different things. And, you know, that's not even addressing the emotional aspect of like, we're just not taught how to be emotional beings on this planet, you know, mm-hmm. like how to feel our feelings and deal with them effectively. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I feel like we could probably talk forever. Um, (laughs) And I knew this would happen. I knew I'd get on here and want to continue talking with you. So I hope that one day, uh, one day in the future that you will rejoin me back on a podcast and we can go further and deeper. Um, But I've loved absolutely every minute of this, uh, this conversation. And I love what you put out into the world for people to see you are a huge light and inspiration and and I love following your journey um and I think the people listening to this will really find value I'm, I I'll be honest I think this might be my absolute most favorite podcast I've recorded thus far so <laughs> oh my goodness thank you so much I I feel the same about you I just you know, looking at, at your progress photos and, and hearing the advice that you give people. It's just so, um, the word that I would use is like reasoned and, and calm and, um, like just, you know, there's none of that talk of, of the extremes or swinging from one end of things to the other. It's just a very, like, it's just very calm and reassuring. And I feel like voices like that are so valuable in a community like ours that can be so heavy on, mm-hmm. um, if you fail, you fail. And or, if you succeed, you succeed. Yes. Right. And everybody's yeah. always saying progress over perfection, whatever. But I, I think that very few people are able to achieve that balance in a way that, that you reflect so well. So I think that that's so important to just um, to our community in general is just that idea that, you know, you can be where you are and you can also want to be at, you know, point B later, but like just do it in a way that is calm and cool and effective. Yes, I appreciate that. That means that means the world to me. I, I feel like um, being a part of this community and also just going through things myself over the last couple of years, I've, I've went from that person to it's all or nothing. Like if you fail, you fail. I've went from that to, I found this very good middle space where it's, you know, I have goals and I, I want to achieve more and, you know, eventually I'll get there, but it's okay to like be happy and be, you know, present where I am right now and, and to be, you know, content, but also strive for more. And I think that that's the the biggest thing that people need to take away from social media and the pressure of, you know, having to lose 20 pounds in four weeks or to do all these things in such a quick amount of time. Like, you know, for you, people listening to this, you've been on this journey for seven years. I mean, 
seven years. That is a long time. And, you know, three years is a long time. I, I just, I want people to listen to the fact that it's not just a three month or six month or one year, like, you know, quick fix. We, we are out here trying to change our lives and our perspective and our habits and so much more than just losing the weight and having that number beside, you know, what we've achieved. So, and I don't want to speak for you here, but to be absolutely a hundred percent clear, I would not have traded that time to be shorter. No, absolutely not. I, I, I mean, it would not have been, I would have not nearly learned as much or, um, I don't know. I, I think that the fact that it takes a little bit longer, that it, it, it just shows that you're growing more and that, that you can, you've learned more over that time, but no, I absolutely wouldn't have wanted it to be any shorter. Yeah. Every day has value truly. Mm -hmm. And even, even, you know, today, Every single day, no matter what happens, has value. Yeah, because there's there's always something that you're going to learn in that day, whether it's you're, you're, you know, fighting the urge to binge or you are, um, you know, choosing to, instead of emotionally eat, you go for a walk or there's always something that you can learn about yourself in the day to day, you know, as as you're still growing. I mean, you know, like I'm sure people look at you and ask you like, what are your goals now? And so that's kind of the question that I usually end on is, is like, what are you working towards now? What are, what is your goal? Um, and, and it's okay if you don't really have like a goal is, you know, but like people who look at us who have, who have achieved what our quote unquote goal weight was like, what do you, what are you striving for right now? Well, my, my big thing this week, and I made a post about it the other day, um, is I, I still have a tendency to, uh, toward being a very all or nothing person. Um, I can be very stubborn and I can be a perfectionist. So my biggest thing is I want to move away from being a perfectionist and being a person who sits with intention at all times. I, I don't need to um, perfectly execute things on a day-to-day basis. What I really want to be able to do is to know that every decision that I make is, is a decision that I've made. Um, it's not just something that I happen upon or that I decide to do in the moment. Um, and this is, you know, in relation to my relationship with food, it's like I, I know in order to maintain what I've achieved with my relationship with food that being mindful of eating is very important to me. To really sit with food, to enjoy it for what it is, to appreciate myself for making it and appreciate all of the hands that have touched it to get it to my plate is so important to me because to me that is the opposite of my relationship with food in the past, which Mm -hmm. was as a way to eat as quickly as possible and as much as possible. So I really want to shift from just 
being someone who's focused on that all or nothing black and white perfectionist behavior to someone who just can settle at the end of each day, know that I was mentally and physically present in the decisions that I was making and that I made them with intention as opposed to just um, a spur of the moment impulse. I love that. I think that that's so much deeper than (laughs) any, um, you know, any response that I've, I've heard. And, um, it's important for people to know that like a goal is so much more than just like, I want to lose more weight or I want to look a certain way. Like there are so, so many things that we can try to achieve. And I, I love that, um, that you've said those things for yourself. So uh, the last question that I like to ask, and and we may have already covered it, but what is um, what is something like in our, our space, the keto space, low carb space that you feel like is missing um, that needs that needs to kind of either be talked about more or or be developed or, you know, whether it be a product or just a topic or or something people share? Um, it's hard for me to say, um, because I, I don't necessarily feel like people should share things that they don't feel ready or comfortable to Mm -hmm. yet, but I, I do wish that there was a little bit more, um, focus on, on the behind the scenes type of, of emotional growth Mm -hmm. that is not just um, necessary, but just possible. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people just feel like they're, um, that they were born a certain way and that they'll always be a certain way. And there's nothing really that they have to like brute force a change. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that trying to brute force change in that way can be really self-destructive because again, it's telling us it's us telling ourselves that we're wrong or broken and that we have to change to be better instead of a more gentle, this makes me uncomfortable. So I want to do something about it so that I can feel better and, and live a life that I, I, you know, where I, I go to bed at night and I feel like I did my best. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like more, more just talk of, of the, I guess the just emotional intelligence in general, I think would be such a such a gift to the community. But I also know that not everybody is ready or willing to talk about that. And so for those of us that do feel ready, I think it's important for us to keep that conversation going. Yeah. Um, And maybe pull people out who it's like, wow, a lot of people are sharing about this. And maybe it's okay to talk about. And, yeah. and men, men too, not just women, but I think everybody just needs to, everybody just needs to feel their feelings mm-hmm. about, about life in general and about food and weight loss and, and their bodies and all that stuff. I think it's just so important to, and, to and do that. And sharing, you know, kind of like we do already, it helps people without us even knowing it's the, it's the people that you know, it's awesome when you get the messages like, you know, you've helped me so much and, and, uh, your posts are so inspiring or, or your words mean so much to me, but it's the people that we don't even know that it helps that, 
is is the reason why I share the things that I do and and continue. And so I think that that's, you know, it, for the people that aren't ready to share, that aren't aware of certain things that they're dealing with and, and then they become aware, you know, that body dysmorphia is actually a disorder or that binge eating is actually, you know, something that more people struggle with than let on. I think that the fact that someone somewhere, even if they don't tell me it has helped them, that's, that's the very reason why I continue to share and to try to help. Right. And we leave a mark on this planet and we leave a legacy, whether we want to or not, whether we intend to or not. And so if that's, you know, that's something that I I realized recently, too, is like I'm making a difference positively or negatively, whether I mean to or not. So Mm -hmm. it's my job as someone who is aware of that fact to um, try to make it as positive as possible. Yes. And I know that there are people who appreciate the fact that, that you're not a social media person, that you do post yes. on Instagram and you share. And um, I know that I'm very thankful for your presence on there. So um, for those people who want to learn more about you and, and see all of the amazingness that you post, where can they find you? Well, like I, um, like we talked about, I'm only on Instagram. Um, and my username is bacon and underscore Megs. Which and, I love. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> think that's you. such a cute name. <laughs> thank you. And, um, yeah. And anybody can feel free to DM me anytime I answer all the messages that I get. And I try to help people as best as, as I can, but my message to people is always, you have to find what works for you me, like, I can't come from a place of giving you advice because I'm not on your path. So Mm -hmm. if something feels right to you, then that's the route you should take. But if you need support, if you need any advice, let me know. Um, I would be more than willing to help. Yes. Well, I love that. I I appreciate that. And I know other people will. Um, But thank you again for taking the time out of your day to record this. Um, I, I truly appreciate it. And thank you for the opportunity. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome.